0: In China, everything happens through WeChat, Uber or Venmo or Yelp or Tinder, really everything.
1: Hello, and welcome back to the Bloomberg Benchmark Podcast. It's Thursday, September 15th, 2016. I'm Scott Landman, an economics editor at Bloomberg News in Washington.
2: And I'm Kate Smith, an editor here in New York.
1: So, Kate, which apps do you use on your smartphone uh, most frequently?
2: The Bloomberg Anywhere app, unfortunately, I'm a little addicted to. But um, I know our guest is giving us (laughs) the loser symbol on our forehead. But let's see, mostly Snapchat, Instagram. Um, I'm a I'm a millennial, so shamefully. <laughs> what about Face, you, Scott? What are you? Use? Facebook, Twitter, no, I, Venmo. No, I, like that? I just got rid of Facebook. I'm really proud of myself for that. It's text messaging. I, I yeah. do text message. Yes. What about you, Scott?
1: I I would say definitely the Bloomberg. That's my primary app.
3: Uh,
1: <laughs> but yeah, but also Facebook, Twitter. Been using Venmo to pay our babysitter recently. Text messaging, but. You know, I lived in China for a few years, and if you happen to be in China, you would have just one app for many of those functions. In Chinese, it's called Weixin, which roughly translates as micro-message, and it's known as WeChat in English. Now, when I was there, I was just using it for occasionally messaging with friends, but I was really just barely scratching the surface. And over the past few years, use of WeChat has exploded and seems to permeate every part of people's lives. And I think it probably accounts for a good chunk of China's GDP. We're an economic podcast and that's what we like to talk about here. So if it were to shut down for whatever reason, it it could take a, a slice of the world's second largest economy down with it. We're talking about 760 million users
2: And that's more than double the entire population of the United States, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, more.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's incredible. And and the company behind WeChat, Tencent, they're worth more than two hundred and fifty billion dollars. Which that makes it the one of the most. I mean, I'm sorry, the most valuable company outside of the United States, and ranks it tenth worldwide overall.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just uh, unbelievable to think about that. But uh, joining us to help explain all this is our colleague, Dune Lawrence, who's going to tell us about what it was like to use WeChat in China. Uh, Dune is a writer for Bloomberg in New York. She speaks Mandarin and lived in China for about five years, most recently in Beijing as a correspondent for Bloomberg. Now, she's a good test case for the magic of WeChat in China because she left Beijing in 2009 before WeChat even existed and uh, recently went there and used it a lot. Hey, Dune. Hey. Thanks for uh, being with us.
0: Yeah, I I love
2: WeChat. (laughs) So, Dune, can you tell us a little bit about WeChat? How is it different than what Americans tend to use their smartphones for?
0: Well, again, I'm also a good test case because until, like, fairly recently, I had a flip phone. I'm not joking. So, so they I'm just, That is old school. <laughs> so I'm also a to. test case for like just the magic of mobile technology generally. <laughs> um, so the main difference is that in China, everything happens through WeChat, really everything. So all of those separate apps you have for Uber or Venmo or Yelp or Tinder, none of which I have, by the way, but <laughs> I know they exist and I know a lot of people use them. And in China, all those things happen within the WeChat ecosystem. It looks, when you open it up, you know, like WhatsApp. It doesn't look that different from a basic messaging app. But then when you go further into the app, you know, you tap on your profile and then you tap on your wallet. There's just this huge list of services that you can get to through WeChat. So it includes ride-sharing and ride-hailing apps. It includes like a Venmo-style you know, shared payment. It includes utilities. You can pay your electric bill. Uh, It includes city services. You you could go in and figure out the bus route you need to take. You could go in and figure out where to park your car. Mm -hmm. And then you can pay for all this through WeChat.
1: And how has this all changed life in China compared with when, when you were there and what you saw more recently?
0: It's just made everything so much easier. (laughs) I mean, you talk about, and and I'm saying this not in an economic sense, but it's just efficient. There's efficiencies. And it makes everything so much easier from a business perspective, too. So that's got to have huge economic knock-on effects.
2: But one thing that we can't forget when we're talking about, you know, apps in China, especially when it comes to social media, is that so many of them are not usable in mainland China. So I'm thinking of Facebook and Twitter, right?
0: Those aren't you can't yeah. access. Those. I mean, yeah. So, 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 how much does that contribute to WeChat success? Oh, I think that contributes <laughs> a great, a great, great deal to right. it. I mean, on the economy side, it's never been an economy with very strong services in, in a lot of ways. Um, Interesting. And it's also just on the internet side. Obviously, there are a lot of restrictions on the internet. It's a very specific space. A lot of foreign companies have been barred from providing services on the Chinese internet. So that, that has definitely contributed to WeChat's success and means to a certain extent that you know, whether it can move beyond China is an open question. And it hasn't really been very successful in doing that. But also, China's a huge market. Do they need to move beyond China? I mean, I was reading something about
2: WeChat a couple of days ago talking about how little they've really focused on attracting non Chinese customers. And like they were talking about like the stickers that you can use. And they have tons and tons and tons of stickers that you can use for Spring Festival, for example. But I think like when you search Ramadan, there was virtually nothing. So I mean, why has the company not even? I mean, it sounds like they're not even interested in really bringing this outside of, or I mean, I guess anything besides the shell of. The messaging service outside of China? I mean, it doesn't really sound like there's any incentive for them to do so.
0: Well, I don't know. I can't really answer that. But I think I think they have definitely made efforts. But it's, a, it's basically a totally different business outside of China, right? It's right. a totally different endeavor inside China. And also just culturally now, like WeChat has formed the culture. People are so used to it. And they're so used to going through WeChat for everything that it's just you know, they don't have to do that much. They keep on offering. They have this incredible pace of offering new services and new platforms. And I was thinking, Scott, when you said how WeChat, if it just disappeared, would take out, a, like, a large chunk of the GDP, I was just thinking more it would be sort of mass insanity. People would just <laughs> lose their minds. It's so it's so much something you depend on. The well, is it really – oh, sorry.
1: Is, is it possible to, to live your life in China – you know, no matter what age you are or what business or who your employer is without having WeChat these days?
0: I'm sure it is. One guy I talked to who works on a WeChat-based company that does English tutoring made this funny comment that I, that I loved, which was that it's sort of this socially awkward thing to not use WeChat. So it's like... He was grasping for an analogy, and he said, it's sort of like refusing to wear shoes and going everywhere barefoot. (laughs) So I'm sure that there are people who do it, obviously. But, you know, if you're in the mainstream, you're using WeChat. So I have a question
2: for you. I'm thinking about, like, the evolution of, like, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, now Snapchat – Facebook when it first came out was like you know the first adopters and it was you know, younger people it was cool to use it and now Facebook is really just like you know everyone's grandparents are on it it's your aunts and uncle and now people don't really use it anymore they moved over to Instagram and now it's like now everyone's aunt and grandmother is on Instagram so now they're moving over to Snapchat like is there any kind of like evolution of moving on to the latest greatest thing in China or is it just kind of like WeChats it and that's it doesn't matter how new and cool it is people are always using it.
0: Well, yeah, I mean I think there's a difference between something that you like to use because it's cool and something that has a fundamental impact on right. the ease with which you live your life. And that is the difference between WeChat in China and Facebook outside of China. Right. And I think it's something that Facebook is trying to address, but that is something that makes WeChat extremely valuable, you know, and right. extremely powerful because it's not a coolness factor, yeah, there are cool elements to it, and they are introducing new elements all the time. but the basic utility is more sort of fundamental to your life than it is for us using an app here right.
1: All right. For some more perspective, let's bring in Gan Li, who's joining us on his cell phone from China. He's an economics professor at Texas A&M University, but he also has another major role as director of the China Household Finance Survey at the Southwestern University of Finance and Economics in the city of Chengdu. Ni hao, professor.
3: Ni hao. Ni hao, Scott. Thanks for having me here.
1: Now, uh, Professor, you spend a lot of time in both the U.S. and China. What are the main differences you see in how people use their phones in the two countries and how people use WeChat in China?
3: So lots of people using cell phones, lots of people on the smartphones, and all the time. This is uh, both true in the United States and in China. So the major difference from years ago is... Uh, you see everywhere people just look at the phones instead of interact with. Uh, when you standing in line, you don't interact with your with the person around you. You just uh, look at your cell phones. I think for smartphones makes people one way to makes people close to each other from far away. Another way, I think, actually makes people even for for people close to you far away. So I don't see difference in that in that one. But in terms of WeChat, yes, I agree. Uh, With everything just said, the WeChat, which has become uh, the major part of the people's daily life. And uh, there's no estimate, but I I would guess, personally, I would guess that people spend, let's say, hours a day on WeChat, at
1: least. How many hours a day do you spend on WeChat?
3: I spend maybe two hours, one hour, two hours a day. The, The thing is, I use WeChat to... I travel a lot, even within China. So I use WeChat as a major uh, work tool. I talk to my people uh, using WeChat. I I basically bring people together, have conferences on WeChat. So it's been uh, not only just uh, for entertainment. Mostly it's not for entertainment. Mostly it's actually a tool I, people use. For the productivity, for to, to work together.
1: It sounds like it really permeates people's lives there. But let's talk about some broader perspective. If you remember, Tencent, the company behind WeChat, they're actually China's most valuable company based on market capitalization. And by that measure, it's bigger than. You know some major U.S. companies like J.P. Morgan, Wells Fargo, even Walmart. Does it contribute to China's GDP the way those companies contribute to the U.S. economy?
3: So Tencent' major profits are coming from online games. The WeChat produced very little revenues for Tencent, and I think Tencent has not yet figure out how to make money. Or, or basically they're not interested in making money via their you know, their dominance on the communication tools so on, over the WeChat. But WeChat has a major tool, as I mentioned, that it has contributed to the Chinese GDP. It's very difficult to calculate. I, w- I was thinking about how to calculate the WeChat contribution to the GDP. It's, uh, it's, it's difficult, right? And uh, I, I'm, su- I'm sure it's difficult to calculate how Facebook or Twitter contribute to US GDP.
0: One thing that I focused on a lot when I was visiting in April was just, I thought how interesting it is that it makes, it, that WeChat makes it so easy for startups to kind of throw themselves out there and to raise money, to get followers, and you know create these sort of mini businesses. So anecdotally, even though Tencent hasn't really figured out how to monetize WeChat for their own purposes, I mean, anecdotally, I think it, it seems to be promoting consumer spending, promoting job creation and entrepreneurial endeavors, things like that. So again, I mean, I agree that it would, it's hard to measure. But just if you talk to people, the ease is not just in daily things like buying your food or hailing your taxi. The ease in, is in sort of more you know sharply economic things like raising money or starting your own business.
1: Well, do, do you get that sense, Professor, that it has kind of helped in, in some intangible or entrepreneurial ways that aren't measured in the GDP statistics?
3: There are other similar products. One of them, uh, which have been used uh, before, I thought uh, serve as a similar tool. Like, I, I don't know if you heard of that, called Dindin. Din. It's actually made by Alibaba. Once upon a time, there are few, a few period of time, Alibaba requires uh, their communication, official communication, via Dindin Din instead of WeChat. So that's what, that's how I have to use it, install the ding ding, uh in my cell phone. My point is, yes, WeChat indeed uh, helps a lot and uh, all these uh, entrepreneur activities or, and other activities a lot. But if there were no WeChat, I'm sure the other softwares uh, would fill in the gap. My point here is uh, uh, it's a technology innovation. It's, uh, it's a smartphone, uh, era of the smartphone, have made all these, you know, activities become much easier. Make our lives, be, make work, become much easier. So it's not necessary. The uh, it's necessary WeChat itself. I would say it's a smartphone itself. I think WeChat has done a wonderful job, uh, facilitated the process of people using uh, smartphones, and, and so that's of of course. It's I'm sure it's that case. Yeah.
1: But let's let's say, for example, uh, Tencent ran into some trouble with the government, and they decided to suspend the app for some reason. Would that be disruptive to hundreds of millions of people until they figure out how to communicate or do business otherwise?
3: I would say that possibility is very slim. I know the Tencent team reasonably well. I would say they're very very careful uh, in terms of not. Doing anything offending the government. But yes, and I think uh, th- that, that interruption uh, of which if, if it happened, it will disrupt a lot of the country, but for a short period of time because other software uh, will fill in the gap quickly.
2: I wanted to talk a little bit about kind of the downside of having one company because you were saying, you know, other, other companies could fill that vacuum. But as it stands, it, it sounds like there's kind of one that dominates. And I wanted to talk to you about the downside of that. So here in the U.S., I know that a lot of people get very concerned about companies like Google and Facebook and kind of the ubiquitous use of those and all of the information that they track on those users, you know, to the point where, you know, you see very, very specialized advertisements when you're using those platforms. Is there any concern within China about that happening on WeChat? Because it's it's so much more information and it's so much more centralized.
3: So at this stage, I don't think there's any concerns. WeChat has been Rather careful, not offending people's privacy, not pushing up too many advertisement. Tencent knows, and everybody knows that WeChat can make a lot of money. They can use WeChat to make a lot of money for sure, because of the the ecosystem, because of the so many people are using it, so many people depend on it. But Tencent has not done that. They have not done it because they are very, very careful about. To raise people's concern about their dominance uh, online, they use that dominance, dominance to uh, online to, to make money or to do anything else. So not yet.
2: In your traveling between the U.S. and China, I mean, can you talk a little bit about the privacy expectations when people are you know, using websites online? I mean, what is the difference? I'm trying to get an idea of someone, a user on WeChat, kind of what their expectations are compared to a user on, let's say, a Venmo or a Facebook.
3: So um, many people, at least many, uh, I would say, intellectuals, quite many are aware that WeChat never leave. Uh, so anything on the WeChat, they don't. It's not on, the, on their server. Or they are on, the, on their server, not for a very short period of time, then deleted, not kept on the server. That actually makes WeChat a pretty good tool for for, for people's private talks. For protecting people's privacy side, WeChat has been doing quite well.
1: Let me turn to a broader question about the economy. In our coverage of China's economy, we talk a lot and write a lot about how China is trying to change from an export and investment-led economy to one that's more led by consumers and services. How important has WeChat been, you know, along with other things like Alibaba and Taobao? in this rise of the consumer economy and how, how important will it be in coming years?
3: Actually, it's quite important. It's very important. The most recent data have, have been showing that the consumption the, you know, has contributed to uh, 75, 75%, three quarters of the total growth of the Chinese GDP. So that's, uh, the consumption has already become, I would say quietly, not, very, not at any fanfare becomes a major driving force of Chinese economy the more important the most important part of that is a uh, uh, online uh, consumption so typically Chinese consumption grow about ten percent nine percent a year but online uh, uh, consumption has grown by 25 percent 30 percent a year most recent data is 25 percent so much much faster so I think the data says is 14 percent of the uh, Chinese consumption now happen online. I'm not sure about U.S. data. I would say my my just gut feeling is U.S. probably is not even that high in terms of percentage-wise online consumption. Uh, so I would say, yes, uh, you know, online consumption has been quickly and quickly has become a critical part of the Chinese economy. And I'm sure the WeChat and, uh, and the Zifu and other online payment system people, how people depend online, they, use, they spend a lot of time online, on, the, on their cell phones, on smartphones, has contributed a lot to that.
1: Yeah, it's really something that, you know, e- even as prominent as WeChat's been, has been a little bit under the radar as a theme supporting China's growth. Professor, we're going to leave it there. Thank you very much for being Thanks with for us. me. Yeah, yeah. So, Kate, did we learn today that an app can bring down China's economy or is it maybe a little more complicated than that?
2: I think it's a little more complicated. It sounds like it's more the lubricant to kind of changing China's economy to be more service friendly. I mean,
1: yeah, it's amazing how much life has changed with WeChat and and other kinds of payment systems and doing business online texting in the last few years. It's part of this broader development of china's economy in the past four decades since they opened up after decades of isolation so it, you know it's it's definitely part of the story and i really do think if you were to take it away there would be insanity as uh, as june says maybe not destroy the economy <laughs> but it, it would be very very highly disruptive
2: well i'm thinking about how people freak out when like gmail goes down like it's all anyone can talk about, <laughs> like Twitter, that's all anyone's tweeting about. It's And that's just like one, I mean, albeit large, but like one thing that people use. So I can't imagine if that was also Venmo and Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. <laughs>
1: like- well, if, uh, you know, the Chinese government does not want 1.4 billion people freaking out. So as the <laughs> professor said, it, it's a slim chance that that's going to happen. But Good you know, point. that's another thing to keep in mind. Uh, so uh, thanks to our guests, Dune Lawrence and Gon Lee. Benchmark will be back next week. And until then, you can find us on the Bloomberg Terminal and Bloomberg.com, as well as on iTunes, Pocket Cast, and Stitcher. While you're there, take a minute to rate and review the show so more listeners can find us.
2: And let us know what you thought of the show. You can talk to us and follow us on Twitter at Smith and at Landman, And you can also find Dune at, at Dune Lawrence. See you next week.
1: Bye-bye.